Welcome to Travel with Stephanie Abrams. Oh, welcome aboard, people. Welcome aboard. Tighten your seatbelt. Um, we are providing for you today some updates of craziness in my mind and a little bit of focus on all things Irish as we celebrate St. Patrick's special day that we celebrated this week. You know, it doesn't matter what your religious faith or if your religious faith is no religious faith. There is a message that Patrick has left the world that's an enduring message of value. And it can be summed up, unlike so many philosophies and so many legacies that you've got to read volumes to understand and then you need somebody to interpret it. It's simple. It's simple. And because it's simple, it's also brilliant. And remarkably, it's as relevant now as it was in the days of Patrick, who lived in the 5th century, the 400s. And the message is reconciliation. Um, we are as fractured as a nation could be. And then I look at families, and I include all families on the planet, so it would include my family. The extended family I knew best, which was my mother's family. And we don't even look dysfunctional compared to those royals. Royally loony. And there is a relationship between how you are perceived and who wants to be in your company. Whether that's folks in your community, your county, your state, your province, wherever you live in the world listening, or family members. It's really incredible how much venom there is in the world, which is underneath so many, many, many problems that linger today, even though they started ages ago. You know, it's like families where there are people still feuding, but they, they can tell you they don't talk to each other and you ask them why, and they can't remember, but something happened. And it might not have happened to them. It might have happened to their parents or grandparents or cousins or whatever. And But as a matter of loyalty, the XYZs don't talk to the ABCs. And it's true of countries too. And there is so much related to travel in that story that I hope we can get to all of it before we go on to other things right after this. Mm -hmm. 
portions of today's show brought to you by Curacao, offering vacationers cultural experiences wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture, a UNESCO World Heritage City on a southern Caribbean island with coves, beaches, and over 60 dive and snorkeling sites. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com. All right, so here's some of what's on my mind. A couple of weeks ago, maybe it's more than a couple now because time flies, my life. I don't know, Friday keeps rolling around. Right after it, first it's Monday, the next day it's Friday. I don't know how that happens every week. So maybe more than a couple of weeks ago. There was a fellow on TV, and I'm embarrassed to tell you I've forgotten his name. I don't have it in front of me, but I spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. He was on a daytime TV program. I want to say he was on The View because there aren't too many daytime TV programs that I catch up with. He is a professor of African American studies. He is clearly a brilliant fellow. And he has a new book out, and that's the reason he was on the air. Because I am sure the publicist for the publisher set it up so he could get attention from it for his book, which I'm sure is worthy of attention, given the conversation, because he was really interesting. The last question that he was asked was, how do we stop racism? Now, racism is all in the news almost daily, but it's normally almost daily with heinous stories that break my heart on a daily basis. But of late, the Meghan Harry story, which is intricately woven into the concept of tourism. Do you want to go to a place that holds certain opinions of classes, of is very class conscious, uh, people of color, so, you know, you think about a place to go. It's like certain stores, certain restaurants, certain clubs. Do you really want to go and spend your time and your money in a place where you don't f- truly feel welcomed and embraced and people are looking down their noses at you? I know I don't. So many wonderful places in the world. Why go someplace where the people are creepy? doesn't matter how beautiful the hotels are, how good the food is, how wonderful the scenery and the sightseeing opportunities and the activities are. If people are going to be nasty to you, do you want to be there? If your answer is yes, we need to have a chat. (laughs) I need to understand your rationale of why a place would be so important to you that you'd go even though you feel unwelcome and are not treated with dignity and made comfortable. So, this fellow wrote the book, and the last question he was asked, and he was, he was brilliant. I loved listening to him. I'm sure his book is wonderful, but I, I didn't embrace his last answer. And the question was, 
how do we stop racism? And his answer was simple, one word, and from my point of view, not correct. His answer was history. If we learn history, if we teach history, if we embrace and understand history, then we will be educated enough to overcome anything seething inside of us because now we'll understand and that will create bonding between races. Now, those weren't his words. That was the message. And he really didn't even have a lot of time to explain his answer because it was at the end of the interview. The show was ending. They were going off the air for the hour. He said history. Maybe he said another sentence or two. But in essence, that was the message. And forgive me, I don't agree. I have read and I have taught American history. Nowhere in it do we teach American students that we only came out of the colonial uprising, which the Brits call it, the American Revolution that we call it, Nowhere do we teach anybody that we got to keep America and go independent and not be a colony of Britain anymore because the Brits decided, if those guys want this wilderness that much, let them take it. What's there anyway? So they packed up their things and went home to fight with Napoleon some more. We don't teach that. That's what the Brits teach. So the history of the birth of America taught from a British point of view is that they got to the point where they needed to put their time, their money, all their resources, their soldiers, their armada into fighting France and Napoleon. And there really wasn't much in this new wilderness across the ocean that was a pain in the neck to communicate with, with all these rebellious people over there. Who needs them? Let them keep it. We'll just go home. No, 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 no. Nini, no, 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 no. No. We teach that Washington, given his limited resources, was brilliant. And with help from the French, who were our great ally, and Lafayette, for which a, an area of Washington, D.C. is named, and funding that came from a Jewish fellow that Washington approached and said, I need money, and he chipped in handsomely, and cleverness, we won and chased them out. So what can you learn from history? It depends on whose side you're asking. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Portions of today's show brought to you by Curacao, offering vacationers cultural experiences wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture, a UNESCO World Heritage City on a southern Caribbean island with coves, beaches, and over 60 dive and snorkeling sites. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com.
movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Got your bags packed yet? Here's travel with Stephanie Abrams and her traveling companion, David Isby. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. Where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. Here's a unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Do a Meet the Author chat online with Stephanie Abrams after reading Rumors, her critically acclaimed novel. Just purchase a minimum of five copies of Rumors in print or ten in ebook format from any online bookseller. Email Stephanie three convenient dates and times in 2021 when you and your gift list recipients of Rumors are available to chat. Perfect for your next book club discussion, too. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com with the dates and times, and Stephanie will confirm this special event. Ask questions, share feedback, and be a part of a memorable experience for every gift-giving occasion filled with conspiracies, lies, love, lust, and intrigue. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com. Visit sabrams.net for details. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect and unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. 
It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. So, we have been bombarded, and I guess my my household is the classic example of if you don't want to know about something, you won't know. And if you do want to know, you'll be up to your neck in it. My husband could not care less. There is nothing on the planet that could interest him at all in what's going on in the Meghan, Harry, Oprah, Royal quadrangle there. I can't get enough of hearing what everybody has to say on the subject because I'm fascinated by the root racism where people in their effort to prove they're not racist say the darndest things that only prove that they are. And they don't even hear themselves. You know, it reminds me, you know, you have a little kid in your house and they're standing there with the fudge from the ice cake with fingerprints in it, with fudge on their fingertips and some of it wiped off on the sides of their their shorts, their slacks, their jeans, whatever they're wearing, their shirt, telling you, I didn't do it. <laughs> I wasn't anywhere near that cake. It's like, you know, hey, (laughs) your face, your hands, and your clothing belie you. And I have watched so much that's gone on and realized that more people need to have personal experiences with other people people of other backgrounds, people of other races, people of other religions, people of other ideologies, whether you agree with the way they run their countries or not, you know, there's two ways to learn. You learn by good example and you learn from bad example and you get to pick what you want to be. Do I want to be like this or do I want to be like that? A lot of the things I learned in my life to do correctly, I learned from people doing whatever it was incorrectly and recognizing that's not the way to go. That's not the way to be. That's not how I'm going to be. And I saw a lot of up close and personal growing up during a time of segregation where I learned a whole lot of it shouldn't be like this. So I've listened to a whole lot of things. And just to go back a step and all of it related to travel, if you, if you know anything about St. Augustine, who was quite the philosopher and who wrote the world is a book and those who do not travel read only one page. You want good insights into America? Travel outside of America and view America through the eyes of other people around the world. And some of what you hear, even from our closer neighbors, particularly our Canadian neighbors, who 
in general, we don't think about it all. We don't hear about at all. Unless we're particularly interested in Canada as individuals and we search out Canadian information, news reports, TV shows, writings. So unless something major league, you know, of titanic proportions happens in Canada, how often do you hear Canada even mentioned in the news? You just don't. Nor do you hear much about Mexico or Caribbean destinations or South American destinations. These are all our neighbors who were snuggied away from the nearest other continents by two oceans. And yet, we don't really know much about them unless we're in some particular business that focuses us on those places. And that, my friends, is tragic. And I have been aware for too many decades of how little Canadians think of people who live in the U.S. It's not a pretty sight. We're gonna take a quick break because I gotta tell you about passports and travel and all of this jazz tied together. We'll be right back. Portions of today's show brought to you by Curacao, offering vacationers cultural experiences wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture. A UNESCO World Heritage City on a southern Caribbean island with coves, beaches, and over 60 dive and snorkeling sites. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com. Here's a unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Do a Meet the Author chat online with Stephanie Abrams after reading Rumors, her critically acclaimed novel. Just purchase a minimum of five copies of Rumors in print or ten in ebook format from any online bookseller. Email Stephanie three convenient dates and times in 2021 when you and your giftless recipients of Rumors are available to chat. Perfect for your next book club discussion, too. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com with the dates and times, and Stephanie will confirm this special event. Ask questions, share feedback, and be a part of a memorable experience for every gift-giving occasion filled with conspiracies, lies, love, lust, and intrigue. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com. Visit sabrams.net for details. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect and unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Got your bags packed yet? 
Here's travel with Stephanie Abrams and her traveling companion, David Isby. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll-free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Rumors, Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Coast to coast with the most travel professionals and the best business and leisure travel information. Travel with Stephanie Abrams and on-air traveling companion David. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. You know, I was in Hawaii, on the big island of Hawaii, that once market itself as not the big island as anybody that's ever traveled to Hawaii or has been interested in going to Hawaii you start to make any plans for your trip you're going to learn there's a whole bunch of islands some more popular for visitors than others some are just agricultural growing pineapples and cotton and whatever else they're busy growing. Coffee, that's a big thing in Hawaii. All kinds of coffee plantations. But the biggest of the Hawaiian islands is called Hawaii. So it's like New York, New York. If you live on Long Island or you've ever visited Long Island, there's a county, or a town, anyway. There's a town in Nassau County. 
called Hempstead, and the capital town within the town of Hempstead is called Hempstead. So you got Hempstead, Hempstead. So typically, most of the flights go into Oahu, where Honolulu is, and people connect to all the other islands. But you can fly into Kona on the big island of Hawaii. And of all the islands, most of the traffic goes to Oahu, Maui, and Hawaii. And then there's Molokai and Kauai. They're smaller, they're more intimate, they're more densely covered in foliage. But if you say, I'm going to Hawaii, you have to specify to the person you're speaking to, where are you going? Because if you just say Hawaii, the person you're speaking to could think, oh, you're going to Maui or Oahu or Molokai or whatever, <clears throat> unless you're going to the big island, which is also called Hawaii. So on the big island of Hawaii, which they would like to change the name of, the people in tourism, their marketing genius wants to go against the tide. Do you know how tough this is to do? Could it be done? Absolutely. People come in, they buy an existing hotel. You know, in some cases, it's a good idea to change a name, especially if a place wasn't wonderful and you want to get rid of the old reputation. So a name change indicates something new has happened. But sometimes there is great history, there is great goodwill, and it's really a shame not to somehow incorporate the name into the continuation of the place. And there are, you know, a couple of things along that vein that I really think we ought to just pay attention to. So firstly, you know how many tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions, maybe money they don't have, the tourist board of the Big Island of Hawaii is going to have to invest to get people to call it either Island of Hawaii, which is their preference. Island of Hawaii. You know what, people? Make things simpler. Don't make them longer. Or Hawaii Island. I'm going to tell you right now, if you tell somebody you're going to Hawaii and you say, where are you going? The person says to you, where are you going? And you answer, I'm going to Hawaii Island. And they're going to say, which one? And then you're going to say, the big island. Because that's how everybody knows it. And what's so terrible about it? Why is Hawaii Island better than big island? And I have to tell you, it's already established. And with all the needs that the Big Island of Hawaii has, because I don't know if you remember, but it got slammed by its volcano. And there were people that couldn't get out of there fast enough because the, what is it, sulfur dioxide or something? 
some god-awful toxin is emitted into the air, spewing out with the lava rocks. So they've had a rough patch. And they had a hurricane. And now they have COVID to deal with. And in the midst of all that, they're going to worry about doing a repositioning of the name of the place? I mean, unless the place had a name like the worst place to go in Hawaii, why would you want to change it? You, you know I have won major league awards. I mean, big, serious awards competing against airlines, cruise lines, big brand name hotels, hotel groups for awards in marketing in the travel industry. And we, little me, walked away with three awards over two years from Travel Weekly. Best marketing campaign, best PR campaign. And in addition, in addition to best marketing campaign and best PR campaign, I also won, I won those in one year. And the next year's competition, I entered for best radio advertising. And I won that. Beating, think of whose ads you see on TV. You've probably heard their commercials on radio. I beat all of them. <laughs> so I actually, you know, am not spouting like an empty barrel with no idea of what I'm talking about. I have a serious idea of what I'm talking about. So, what got me thinking about Hawaii was a saying that is often quoted that was in the book Innocence Abroad written by Mark Twain. Now, much of, most of if not all of, I don't know when he died. But his living was done in the 1800s. And this is a man who went to Hawaii. Okay. So he didn't sail out of Los Angeles on a cruise ship that had dining rooms and patios and verandas, dining rooms. He didn't go on a cruise ship that had stabilizers so while you could feel the movement of the ship front to back, you didn't also feel it rolling side to side. Just the thought of that makes me nauseous. Modern ships stabilize side to side, so you only feel the forward movement, which they can't help. Deal with it. Take a drama in and go out on a deck. Go. By the way, you get on a ship and you don't feel good, and I mean don't feel good from just motion sickness. You want to take, if you're going to take Dramamine or similar, something to settle your stomach, which by the way, I think is vitamin B. But somebody check that and see if I'm right. You can always go to the infirmary and they'll try to help you out. It's good to take the first one before, like an hour before the ship sails. Don't wait until you don't feel good. But if you're not feeling well, do not go to your cabin and sequester yourself in your little bathroom because that'll really get you. You want to feel the motion of a moving ship? Go in your bathroom. <laughs> Scary business. 
But if you're sailing out of a place like Florida, you'll be into Caribbean waters. Chances are good if that's the direction you're going. Fairly quickly, and once you're there, further into the Caribbean you get, the calmer it's going to be. You're concerned about it? I know I digress, but this is important stuff, people. You're concerned about it? Go to uh, uh, an itinerary that leaves from somewhere deep in the Caribbean. Don't leave from Florida. Sail out of St. Martin or Barbados. There are ships that sail out of ports in the Southern Caribbean, so you're already in a place where it's calmer than... Florida is still North Atlantic, people. So, you know, it's iffy as to what kind of sea you're going to get the first day or two, and the last day or two. But I thought about Mark Twain, which made me think about Hawaii, because in his book, Innocence Abroad, where he didn't hop a quick jet flight to get from mainland U.S. to Hawaii, and he didn't go on a cruise ship that was duded out with sequins feathered dancing girls wearing topless bottomless evening straps. He got on some freighter kind of a boat. Of course, it was big enough to be called a ship. If you have to get into a lifeboat, you're on a ship. And when he got to Hawaiian, Hawaii Island, that's even hard to say, Hawaii Island. Leave it alone. He got to the big island. And he made his way to what we refer to as Volcano National Park. And Volcano National Park is in Hilo. And if you're staying in Kona, if you did this a long time ago, there's a better road now. You can get there quicker. So, when you get there, there are these, there is this place you can stand and view the volcano, and what you are looking at hasn't changed since Robert Louis Stevenson was there, since Mark Twain was there, and they have these big boulder rocks on which are secured brass plaques with commentary that was written by Robert Louis Stevenson, by Mark Twain, and other people I don't remember, but they're there. So you stop and you read this and that. Now, the comments that are in Hawaii, the comments that are in Hawaii are about their, their comments about the volcano and viewing it. But in the book, Innocence Abroad, Mark Twain made another comment. Um, it's a couple of sentences long. 
But it's really the first sentence that's the biggie, for me anyway. And this is what he had to say. It sounds a little scary at first because it starts out, travel is fatal. And I guess in a time of COVID, <laughs> maybe that's not the best to start with. Travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. And that was my reaction to the fella who wrote the book uh, about racism who said history will change things. I'm afraid not. We got 5,000 years of history, just that is Judaic history. And there are a whole lot of people that haven't learned much from that either. So um, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back. So don't leave me. Here's a unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Do a Meet the Author chat online with Stephanie Abrams after reading Rumors, her critically acclaimed novel. Just purchase a minimum of five copies of Rumors in print or ten in ebook format from any online bookseller. Email Stephanie three convenient dates and times in 2021 when you and your giftless recipients of Rumors are available to chat. Perfect for your next book club discussion, too. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com with the dates and times, and Stephanie will confirm this special event. Ask questions, share feedback, and be a part of a memorable experience for every gift-giving occasion filled with conspiracies, lies, love, lust, and intrigue. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com. Visit sabrams.net for details. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect and unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. 
We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Got your bags packed yet? Here's travel with Stephanie Abrams and her traveling companion, David Isby. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll-free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. Rumors. Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Coast to coast with the most travel professionals and the best business and leisure travel information. Travel with Stephanie Abrams and on-air traveling companion David... It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. So um, I really got off on a strange footing listening to the Oprah interview with uh, Prince Harry and Meghan. Um, And um, I haven't quite gotten over it yet. There are things that were shared that would put me right over the edge. And maybe there are other people that it, I'll bet that people in the travel industry um, and people who travel a lot probably picked up on this little item. But in case you didn't see it or it went over your head, um, maybe it doesn't, you know, you didn't see it as affecting you at all. Megan talked about feeling like a bird in a gilded cage. She felt trapped. You know, if you're struggling financially and you're living in New York City in an apartment that's the size of a linen closet in a suburban house, um, maybe you have no sympathy. But Megan wasn't poor to begin with. She was well-positioned. She was doing nicely in her career. Um, She was earning more than most people. And she was living well, and God bless her. She worked for it. Wasn't something handed to her on a platter. But one of her comments was, 
among the first things that happened when she got engaged to, either when she got engaged or when she got married, it was one or the other, is that her driver's license and her passport were taken from her. And I thought, oh, goodness me. Wow. There are hotels you will check into, particularly in Europe and Asia, where upon check-in, they will ask to see your passport and they won't give it back to you. And they will tell you that when the night auditor comes in, that person has to enter all kinds of stuff for governmental reasons and you'll get your passport back tomorrow. When you get on a cruise ship, they take your passport. They don't give it back to you. The reason is that every port they stop in, they have to prepare in advance for clearing customs. And they can't go running around the ship collecting everybody's passport every time to do that. So they've worked out a system in most on most cruise lines itineraries where they've worked it out with shops and local people and whatever that if you show your boarding pass or your key to that you know the thing that you show to get back on the ship because they give you like an id from the ship that'll suffice for going into most shops and most destinations i'm going to tell you there are some shops and some transactions uh, particularly banking transactions if you want to take ATM money if you there's certain things you want to do that you have to go in and deal with somebody in a bank they want to see your passport if it's on the ship it's not going to work for you and if you've tendered in which means they put you on this like you know a big motorboat to get you because the ship isn't docking it's out in the middle of the water it's anchored there's no way you're going to have time to get back to the ship, go find the purser, <clears throat> go get your passport, get back on another tender, and get into the bank or the store before it closes or the ship sails. And heaven forbid you are the fool who goes to a beach and falls asleep somewhere or goes shopping or goes to see a ballet or does something where you stay longer then you should have and you get back to the dock and you're on the dock and the ship is out there somewhere on the way to the next port you have one giant mess on your hands to figure out how you're going to go to an airport and get tickets to fly to the next port to catch up with the ship if you don't have a passport and when you land at the next destination if somebody was kind enough, if you if you rented a plane and you got just a pilot to fly you to the next destination, you got to go through immigration when you land wherever you're going and you have no passport. So you're going to spend a day trying to get them to get the cruise line to come to the airport and bring you your passport. Do you know what a mess that is? So somebody says somebody's taking your passport and not giving it back. I go into cardiac arrest. We have so much more to share with you. Please don't leave me. This is hot. We'll be right back. Don't leave.
welcome to Travel with Stephanie Abrams. This hour, we are doing a wraparound to St. Patrick's Day with an amazing interview with an amazing Irishman. On the line with me as part of our memorial and honor to a giant of a man, John Hume, who was the 1998 Nobel Peace Prize recipient, um, who uh, was the co-person receiving it as the opposition party leader, David Trimble, uh, was recognized at the same time. Um, And John um, was instrumental in the forging of the Good Friday Agreement to end the troubles in Northern Ireland, which um, we could use today uh, that kind of expertise uh, with so much strife, dissension, and polarization in not only in the whole world, but we're seeing so much of it in the United States. And we really need to get past all this And so I am just so, actually, I'm getting chills on this warm day, um, even saying these words, that I am blessed to have on the line with us Eamon O'Queeve, a um, member of uh, the Dale Aaron, the Parliament of Ireland, uh, and the grandson of Eamon de Valera, one of the presidents of Ireland who fought to create a free, independent, and uh, Ireland in one piece without the division. Had he been successful in fighting the partition uh, just about 100 years ago of Northern Ireland from the Republic, the independent Republic of Ireland, there never would have been troubles. There, There never would have been the need for the Good Friday Agreement. Um, it's remarkable what politics and geographics will do to people who otherwise would live happily side by side with one another. And so thank you so much, Eamon, for joining us today. Um, The last time we spoke was about four or five years ago when I did an interview with you sitting on the stage in the auditorium at the St. Patrick Center in County Down. And um, you can find uh, all of that if you go to sabrams.com and put in um, O-Queeve, O-Apostrophe-C-U-I-V. You will get the links to the archived audio, blog, stories. And um, we've also memorialized that event in Episode 5 of Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams. Um, where there are photos uh, inserted into that episode celebrating St. Patrick in Northern Ireland um, of, um, of, of me on the stage with Eamon O'Queeve, who, by the way, is almost the spitting image of his grandfather, Eamon de Valera. Um, it was quite shocking the first time I saw you <laughs> because the <laughs> resemblance is striking. And you were very lucky in that you, if I'm, if memory serves me properly, you were 26 years old when your grandfather passed, and you had a close, uh, caring relationship, so that you were able to learn firsthand from him 
um, the political legends and the family legends associated with uh, his importance in um, the arrival of the Republic of Ireland as an independent state from Britain. Is that true? Well, you, you know, that's, how I, that's right. I, I was uh, 25 years of age when he died. Um, we obviously knew him very well. There were 18 grandchildren, but we knew him very well because he was a grandparent like any grandparent. Uh, and a very benign gra- grandparent at that. But of course, uh, when we used to be up at the Aulis, uh, you know, there was many, many times that somebody would ask him about something historic and he was always willing to tell stories. And he'd also tell stories to younger people uh, about escapades and events that happened in his life. But he was very forthcoming, very, very easy to talk to. And, it, uh, and very, very much a, a family man. And would you say that that relationship, what you learned from your grandfather, um, what you learned about the emergence of this brand new independent country of Ireland, um, motivated you to go into public service? Well, I think it certainly interested us in public service in its widest uh, meaning of the word. Uh, I, as a family, I, I think we were very much motivated to look even at a community level as to what you could get involved in and about helping people. Uh, I started off as a, a development manager of a small uh, community business that was trying to create employment in a rural area. Now, I grew up in Dublin. I'm from Dublin. I was educated in Dublin, went to university in Dublin. But, but you, I went to the west of Ireland. Right. Uh, and you to, represent Connemara, which is pretty rural. Oh, very, very rural. Well, I represent Connemara and Galway, but I uh, I live in Connemara in a very rural area. Uh, I went there and I spent 18 years before I got into politics in this developmental role where we started creating employment, uh, developing the farming in the area and so on. Uh, we were also trying to develop the language in the area, the Irish language, and you know, we've been relatively successful. At yes, that you as have. Well. So I had all these years of community work before I got involved in electoral politics. Uh, and, you know, the inspiration for the community work is much from both sides of the family, from my father's side of the family, as well as from my mother's side. Now, it's my mother that was Eamon de Valera and the daughter of Eamon de Valera. So the connection with him de Valera is through my mother. Wow. Yes, of course, because otherwise if it was through your father, your last name would be de Valera as well. <laughs> that's true, yeah. That's it. That is true. That is true. Um, what town do you live in, in Connemara? Uh, well, now, if it's a town, no, you wouldn't really call it a town. It's a place called Cornamona. Uh, the town consists of one pub, one shop, uh, two schools, funny enough, a primary school and a very small secondary school, and one church. And that's basically the whole village. How uh, far most are you? Of us, How far most are... of us live scattered in houses scattered around the... You don't actually live in... A kind of cluster settlement we live in. The you, you're familiar with the Irish countryside, where there are houses yes, all course. over the place. To the outside eye, it looks random. To all of us, we know exactly what townland we live in. Uh, the whole country is divided up into townlands. Now, these townlands are areas of land. Ah, oh, my goodness, we lost but, you for a second. You though. know, there's a geography there that predates modern type geography and the town geography uh, of we say the last five or six hundred years, uh, this old Celtic geography uh, is still very, very strong in the rural areas. 
Well, we, how far would you be from, let's say, Spittle? From how far would you be from uh, Delphi? Uh, how far would you be from Lenan? Uh, I'm about 15 miles from Lenan. Oh, okay. Uh, about 20, 20 odd miles from Delphi. I'm 40 miles from Spittle, but I'm actually only 30 three or 34 miles from Galway City okay. and about 30 miles from Castle Bar. I, I had a funny, um, you know, we're just freshly the, back. The, the most town that, the most place the people now uh, in America would know, uh, and that is Kong. Now, they might not realize they know Kong, but they all do know Kong because Irish America has right. all seen the Quiet Man film. Right. The Quiet Man film was filmed in Kong in County Mayo. Right. Uh, and that's about eight miles from my house. So that's oh, okay. Kong. Oh, okay. Quite I know exactly where you are. It's is, is about eight, eight miles from my house. Right. And, about and, a rope, about 14. And Kong is a kind of strange place because the divider line between County Galway and County Mayo goes right through the river there in Kong. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you know, you can, you can say you're in Galway and find out, no, you're really not. You're in Mayo at the moment because you crossed a little bridge. Well, uh, that that's true. Uh, uh, some people have been in Ashford Castle. Yes. Uh, and you often see postcards with Ashford Castle, Kong County Mayo. The actual castle itself is uh, in County Galway right? Right. because it's across the little drawbridge, right. and the drawbridge is the county boundary. But the golf course belonging to the castle is in County Mayo. Oh, that's hilarious! You know, um, we were we we're just freshly back from five months being marooned. Um, like um, uh, the, the, the stories about Robinson Crusoe and Friday, um, that would have been us, Robinson Crusoe and Friday. Uh, and we would have been um, marooned, um, not being able to fly home after three weeks in Ireland on the 18th of March because everything closed on the 16th of March. So we lived um, a total of five months in Ireland. We've just gotten back. And um, while we were there, we saw a TV program. I think it was on ITV network or channel. And it was um, Murder, She Wrote with Angela Lansbury. All of my listeners would be familiar with that. If you can find it on YouTube or buried someplace on Netflix or Amazon uh, Prime or something like that. The episode called Murder in Cork was actually filmed, at least on the exterior. The interior may well have been filmed in a sound studio in Hollywood or somewhere. But um, the exterior of the house she's supposed to be staying at is really Delphi Lodge in Delphi and Connemara. And well, as we were watching, the, the story starts, and the, the titles come on, and the first thing you see is that house in the distance. And as you see the house in the distance, I said to my husband, Mark, that's Delphi Lodge. And yeah. indeed, indeed it was. So they tried to make everybody think that they were in um, Cork, but they were actually in Connemara in County Galway. We're going to take a quick break because I want to come back and talk with Eamon O'Queeve now that you're a bit acquainted with him about John Hume, who just last week passed away at the age of 83, a man who gave a lifetime of service 
to the people of Northern Ireland in a variety of ways, which culminated in his being awarded uh, as the co-winner of the 1998 Nobel Peace Prize for forging the Good Friday Agreement and bringing an end and resolution to the troubles in Northern Ireland. So we'll talk about that when we get back. Stay with me. This is Stephanie Abrams, back in America. We'll be right back. Don't leave me. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Got your bags packed yet? Here's travel with Stephanie Abrams and her traveling companion, David Isby. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. Where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll-free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. Here's a unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Do a Meet the Author chat online with Stephanie Abrams after reading Rumors, her critically acclaimed novel. Just purchase a minimum of five copies of Rumors in print or ten in ebook format from any online bookseller. Email Stephanie three convenient dates and times in 2021 when you and your gift list recipients of Rumors are available to chat. 
perfect for your next book club discussion, too. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com with the dates and times, and Stephanie will confirm this special event. Ask questions, share feedback, and be a part of a memorable experience for every gift-giving occasion filled with conspiracies, lies, love, lust, and intrigue. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com. Visit sabrams.net for details. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect and unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. I am so delighted to once again be speaking with Eamon De Valera's grandson, Eamon O'Queeve, who are you still very much involved uh, as a TD, um, oh, yeah. a minister in Irish government? No, I'm not a minister in the government, but I am a TD. Okay. I'm very, 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 very involved. I'm particularly involved in issues in relation to the peace process in Ireland, which is still ongoing. It's unfinished business. I know. It's an evolution, uh, isn't uh, it? And I'm working still with both communities. Uh, I do quite a bit of work with uh, Republicans who are in prison, but I also have good contacts with the unionist community. Um, I believe in talking. I, 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 when I got elected the first time in 89, uh, I showed an interest in the North. It was something I was concerned about. I thought the standoff policy of not talking to people it was wrong. Uh, I believe that the only way of bringing peace about is not by security forces, but by talking and persuasion. Uh, I used to visit prisoners, Republican prisoners in Britain and in Northern Ireland wow. in the 90s. Um, I obviously didn't do that during the period from, 2000, from 1997 to 2011 when I was a minister in the government. But accidentally, I started doing it again, north and south. Uh, and that work continues. Uh, people can be critical about you talking to this one or to that one, having friendships here or having friendships there. Uh, my belief is uh, peace is built by talking. Uh, and you know, the resolution of most disputes uh, and the ending of violence will be done by persuasion. I remember one day I was visiting McGabry Prison in Northern Ireland and uh, about two years ago. And I was talking to the prison governor and I made the comment to him. I said, in the modern world, when you think about it, if somebody wants to carry out a terrorist act, wants to do it, they will do it. They can use a truck, a lorry. They can use all sorts of things. Uh, and therefore, you can't really secure yourself against this. I said, the real security that most of us depend on every day is that the other person doesn't want to get you. And that the greatest security we all have in the places we live and why we often feel secure is not because we've got security cameras or because we've got protection, but because nobody, we believe nobody really wants to get us. And, you know, we've gone 90% of the way in the north of Ireland towards that goal. We need to get the other 10%. Yeah, and you know, when you mentioned how if somebody wants to do something terroristic, um, it doesn't necessarily take, necessarily take a lot. You look at a 9-11 in the U.S., people bought very inexpensive airline tickets and for a couple of dollars, some box cutters 
those little plastic things with a little razor blade at the end used for opening uh, packages and cutting tape and that the like. And with just that little investment, we're able to cause such chaos in the lives of not only Americans, but the people from, I believe the number was over 80 countries who are in the World Trade Center, who were at the Pentagon, um, who were on planes that that came down. And, um, you know, if somebody, it's, 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 it is impossible, really, to entirely protect yourself from terrorism um, unless you reach the minds and hearts of other people and can convince them of the value of what can come out of friendship and working together as opposed to, you know, some egotistical power mongers who just want to be in charge because they can. And it's really horrifying. There's another issue. Um, Lots of people are alienated from the system. We find this in every country, particularly in the more socially deprived areas. Uh, and unless they know people in the system and know that they're genuine and, you know, we look after fair play and so on, they become alienators and they, you know, it's easy to fight people that you don't know and that you think aren't for your, uh, don't care. Now, my experience is by getting to know people who might be thinking that violence was the way forward and persuading them that politics could work, by getting to know them and proving your bona fide, then it's much easier to go the way of peace because you don't see the other side as the enemy. And this is what we have to work for. And that's where John Hume was such a giant. Okay. John Hume so... came for very much from one community in Northern Ireland. And John Hume coming from Derry, Derry is predominantly a nationalist city. Well, we have to take a quick commercial break talking with Eamon O'Queeve, and we'll be right back. Don't leave me. Portions of today's show brought to you by Curacao, offering vacationers cultural experiences wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture, a UNESCO World Heritage City on a southern Caribbean island with coves, beaches, and over 60 dive and snorkeling sites. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com. Here's a unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Do a Meet the Author chat online with Stephanie Abrams after reading Rumors, her critically acclaimed novel. Just purchase a minimum of five copies of Rumors in print or ten in ebook format from any online bookseller. Email Stephanie three convenient dates and times in 2021 when you and your gift list recipients of Rumors are available to chat. Perfect for your next book club discussion, too. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com with the dates and times, and Stephanie will confirm this special event. Ask questions, share feedback, and be a part of a memorable experience for every gift-giving occasion filled with conspiracies, lies, love, lust, and intrigue. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com. Visit sabrams.net for details. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect and unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. 
Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Got your bags packed yet? Here's travel with Stephanie Abrams and her traveling companion, David Isby. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Rumors, Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Coast to coast with the most travel professionals and the best business and leisure travel information. Travel with Stephanie Abrams and on-air traveling companion David. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. On the line with me live from Connemara in County Galway is Eamon O'Queeve. Uh, a TD member of the Dow, Aaron, the Parliament, uh, the Government of Ireland. 
um, which is this relationship is the result of my travels. You know, sometimes you think about travel as that breakaway to lie on a beach, be under a palm tree, have some fun, go to the theater, listen to a concert, um, get together with some friends somewhere. But if you pay attention not only to the monuments and the museums and the attractions and the events, and you pay attention to the people that you meet along the way, that special sector, which is very easy to do, by the way, when you are in Ireland and Northern Ireland, because the people are very curious about visitors. They want to know you. They want to welcome you. It's part of their DNA. And I have been so amazingly blessed to have met some unbelievably incredible, knowledgeable, interesting people in my travels, not the least of which is Eamon O'Queeve on the line with us. And just as we were leaving the last seg segment, Eamon, you began to talk about John Hume, who that name is probably a brand new name to so many of my listeners, um, except those who have Irish roots, uh, interest in Irish history, interested in um, peace in the world and Nobel Peace Prize winners. They would know about John Hume and people in American government because he worked closely with Bill and Hillary Clinton. He worked closely with the group he called the Four Horsemen. Uh, Speaker Tip O'Neill, Senators Ted Kennedy and Daniel Patrick Moynihan, and Governor Hugh Carey from New York to forge relationships and get people to talk to one another and come to a point where we could put most, most of, much of what was referred to as the troubles in Northern Ireland behind us, although there are flashpoints and flash-ups and flare-ups that happen from time to time when some goofy person decides to throw a rock at somebody walking by innocently or somebody in a parade or some other event where something from the past surfaces and bingo, you've got what is happily a more isolated incident rather than something that catches fire everywhere. But John Hume dedicated so much of his life to making those changes happen. And I wonder um, about your knowledge, information, relationship. How well did you know John and how much about him did you know? Well, I we knew know? an awful lot about him, but I also knew him reasonably well. Um, everybody in Ireland knew about John Hume. He was from a very strong nationalist background in Derry. And Derry is by far or overwhelmingly a nationalist city. In other words, it wants a united Ireland. Uh, but where John was different, he realized there were two communities in Northern Ireland and that you had to work with both communities to get progress. But he also knew that Northern Ireland couldn't exist without connections with the South. In other words, with the Irish government in the South uh, and with the people of the South. But it also, Ireland couldn't exist without good relationships with Britain, the so-called East-West dimension. So he put forward this theory that there was a three-way uh, connection to be tackled, 
the internal unionist nationalist, the north-south within the island of Ireland and the east-west between Ireland, north and south, and Britain. Uh, and basically that was the genesis of the Good Friday Agreement. Now, he initially got involved in the civil rights movement in Ireland that was modelled on the American civil rights and Martin Luther King and so on, and they were very open that that's what they were modelling, the civil rights movement in Northern Ireland. And just to give you an example, uh, when in the civil rights movement got going in America, uh, Derry, two-thirds two nationalist, had a unionist majority mayor. It was totally gerrymandered. Uh, and there were other examples across the Northern Ireland. And one of the first campaigns was for one person, one vote. But they moved forward then into all sorts of other issues. But violence erupted. Uh, long story how that happened. Uh, British Army got involved. The IRA got involved. Unionist paramilitaries got involved. And this went on for a long time. And late in the 80s, John Hume decided that the nationalists, that is, that he would have to talk to Jerry Adams, the leader of Sinn Féin, and through him to the IRA and persuade them on another path. This was a slow, slow process. Uh, and persuade them that through politics they could achieve more of their aims than through violence. And the reality is that the rest is history. As you pointed out, he got Irish America behind him. He got Bill Clinton behind this movement. Uh, Irish governments got more, much more proactive. Uh, John Major in Britain and Tony Blair became supportive. So lots of things happened. But you could say that John Hume was the instigator of it all. And I can remember it was about the time I got into politics when a lot of people absolutely scarified John Hume for talking to, inverted commas, terrorists. Those same people today are lauding him as a great peacemaker. Uh, you know, that's such an interesting point you make. Um, there can be no progress. There can be... the What, what creates progress... I mean, I can't, except in, in countries where there's a dictator in charge who makes all the decisions and things are, get done easily. They just decree it's going to get done. It's part of the way China rose in power is that they just decided, you know, this is how it's going to be and that's how it was. But when you were dealing in democratic environments, um, usually if there are two people involved, there are three opinions. <laughs> So um, it's it's necessary to speak, to listen, not just speak loudly and use a bullhorn to overpower what the other person wants to share, but listening is a very important part of that. And then out of that speaking and listening, find the path to compromise where maybe everybody doesn't get everything they want, but they get enough on each side of what can make life better for everybody. And the only way you can do that is to speak with those people who, whose opinions are very different from yours. Now in the US, John Cain, a very staunch conservative Republican, and Joe Biden, a very middle-of-the-road uh, Democrat were fabulous friends. 
um, uh, um, Scalia, Anton Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, completely opposed ideologically, were great friends, and they went to the opera together with their families because they were both great opera fans. So, you know, one can continue to be politically opposed, diametrically opposed, and yet find middle ground where you can respect and admire one another, even when you don't agree with their ideology. And that's the only way you make progress. We have right now in the U.S., we've had the most polarized situation for far too many years where the people, we call it one side of the aisle or the other side of the aisle, they don't even want to shake hands with each other, let alone speak with one another. You cannot make progress that way. And clearly, the people in the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland learned that early on, and John Hume was such a fabulous example of how to bring it all together. And I've had people in Northern Ireland, and if you've just joined us, I'm talking with Eamon O'Queeve, the TD, a uh, member of Irish Parliament, uh, the Dáil Aaron. Um, I've had people, Eamon, in the North tell me that, you know, there are people alive today who never lived under prior circumstances. People in their early 20s, uh, late teens, they don't know anything about Ireland as it exists today. And, uh, and Northern Ireland as it exists today. Uh, the whole situation of um, the past um, is something outside of, you know, it's something in a history book somewhere. And, and so many people who are older, who have lived through both situations, who have said to me, unquestionably, there is nothing better than peace. It has elevated everybody's life. And yet you have people that are just, you know, warmongering. And it's in every country in the world. I mean, go around the history of the world. We love killing one another, apparently. It's, it's tragic. It's really tragic. So can you give us a kind of a summary for... Um, your views on John Hume and his accomplishments, or uh, is there any special anecdote or something that ex uh, transpired between you and John that you might want to share? Something that'll give us uh, a memorable close to our conversation today, Eamon. Well, I had met John Hume you know, numerous times, and you know, Ireland's a small country, and people involved in politics uh, meet each other. Uh, you know, there were a number of occasions, I remember one occasion we were in John Hume's house in Derry. Uh, it was just the day before uh, there was marches to be held by the apprentice boys in Derry, and we were up there as independent observers, uh, watching both the nationalist and the unionist community and the police to make sure that there would be no incidents. Now, we found that when we did this particular job uh, of observers, they used to bring diplomats, um, people who of the cloth, in other words, clergy people uh, and academics and politicians, and we would observe what was going on. Uh, a very, very effective way of making sure that everybody behaved. Normally it was quite a boring job, uh, but very, very effective. Uh, but we were in with, in with John Hume, briefing him on what we were doing. He was very supportive of what we were doing uh, and gave us a great welcome. 
I remember too in 2006, uh, during the European Union presidency in Ireland, I organised a conference uh, about the islands. Now, it was an international European conference, and John was my guest speaker, uh, and he gave a great talk. Um, and that was a very, very memorable occasion. Uh, unfortunately, his health deteriorated after that. Uh, but, you know, he was a larger-than-life person. Uh, he had this great ability to network. Networked in America, you've mentioned the big names, including President Clinton, and only for his influence on Clinton. What happened in Ireland would never have happened. George Mitchell would never have come to Ireland. Uh, he was the person who brokered the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, he also networked very, very successfully in the European Parliament as a member, and he was a member there for a long time. And he networked in the British Parliament as well because he was a member for file of the Westminster Parliament. So he used all of his contacts and his ability to talk to people. And he could be tough. I remember one day when he started talking to Jerry Adams and there was a lot of criticism. And he was standing outside uh, uh, 10 Downing Street. Now, the metaphor he used is a perfect mixed metaphor because he said, I don't care, right? All the roasted snow. But I'm not going to stop talking to Jerry Adams. I want no, to I stop you right. I, I want to I, stop I you right there because we have to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to leave you outside 10 Downing Street, um, and the business about talking or not talking with Jerry Adams, and we'll be right back. To leaving you hanging on the cliff. Don't leave me, Stephanie Abrams here, and we'll be right back. Here's a unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Do a Meet the Author chat online with Stephanie Abrams after reading Rumors, her critically acclaimed novel. Just purchase a minimum of five copies of Rumors in print or ten in ebook format from any online bookseller. Email Stephanie three convenient dates and times in 2021 when you and your gift list recipients of Rumors are available to chat. Perfect for your next book club discussion, too. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com with the dates and times, and Stephanie will confirm this special event. Ask questions, share feedback, and be a part of a memorable experience for every gift-giving occasion filled with conspiracies, lies, love, lust, and intrigue. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com. Visit sabrams.net for details. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect and unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. 
Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year, and the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Got your bags packed yet? Here's travel with Stephanie Abrams and her traveling companion, David Isby. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. Rumors Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Coast to coast with the most travel professionals and the best business and leisure travel information. Travel with Stephanie Abrams and on-air traveling companion David... It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. I've left you in a kind of cliffhanger, standing outside 10 Downing Street, learning from Eamon O'Queeve, the TD of Irish government, uh, from representing people in Galway uh, and in Connemara, where he lives. And Connemara is part of Galway people, but we somehow think about it as different because it is 
if you ever visit uh, Galway City and then you go into Connemara, you will see the vast difference <laughs> between the two regions. One is very metropolitan and modern, and the other is very rural, countryside, marvelous, great for fishing. Um, if you're into trout, that's your place, people. But uh, thank you, Eamon O'Queeve. You, you left us at a cliffhanger, so we've got just about five minutes. Bring us up to date on what happened. Um, who wasn't going to talk with whom? What was the story there? But basically, nobody was talking to Sinn Féin, even though they had plenty of elected politicians. Uh, and nobody was obviously talking to the IRA. And at the end of the day, they were getting more and more politicians elected, and the time had come to sit down and talk with them. The reality is that Sinn Féin came into politics, they became part of the Good Friday Agreement, uh, they are totally committed now to politics north and south, they're actually in a very strong position both north and south politically, Yes. Uh, they're part of the executive in Northern Ireland and they pursue uh, their political aims by totally democratic means. Now, there was also an issue at the time that people were reluctant to talk to the Democratic Unionist Party. Uh, I never agreed with that. I always thought that that was foolish because they too had people elected. And once people get elected, you have to talk to them. Um, and again, the negotiations didn't really include them in the beginning. They walked out, but they then came into the executive later on. So what we've done is managed to persuade every elected representative in Northern Ireland to get involved in democratic politics. That is an amazing achievement uh, from a situation that there were insiders and outsiders and that the people's will was being thwarted. And the architect of all of this was John Hume. Now, we still have a lot to do, but the bedrock is in place. And what we need to do is build on that bedrock. Uh, he, he he certainly would impress you when you met him. Uh, and, you know, because he was so approachable, uh, he was somebody that we all knew and we knew day by day. Uh, and we all had met uh, quite frequently. Uh, and he was very much part of the Irish history, particularly for the period from the uh, 80s and 90s. He was an ever-growing giant in Irish and Irish international politics. Well, you know, the first time I was supposed to meet him and I was face to face with him twice in Derry, um, both times meeting at Beach Hill Country House when it was owned by Patsy O'Kane. And uh, she was a great friend of the family and of John and was the one who introduced me. And so I point that out because in your travels, if you have a special interest, um, there are local people wherever you go who will help um, enhance your experience by introducing you to people of similar interests. But our first meeting was supposed to be an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and we met at 5. We were supposed to be finished by 6, maybe 6.30, and we didn't part until half past midnight. Um, we managed to get in a, a recorded interview. Uh, we had uh, some um, some hors d'oeuvres and, and something to munch uh, around uh, 6 o'clock or whatever. But by 8, we realized we had missed dinner. And we wound up having dinner with John Hume and continuing the conversation 
until um, half past midnight. And it was only because of the hour and we were beginning to approach exhaustion that we finally called it quits. And we had a similar experience the second time. And a great part of that was because John Hume was, as you described him, Eamon O'Queeve, John Hume was what we would call in the U.S. a lovable critter. Um, he was as down to earth. He was as human. He was as reachable, attainable. Um, he was a great speaker. And the way he expressed himself was fantastic. But at the same time, he was a phenomenal listener and he was curious and he was interested. And his passion um, was finding peace putting an end to the troubles in Northern Ireland and everything that he did was to make that happen. Uh, Eamon O'Queeve, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. We're going to have more people on from Ireland and Northern Ireland talking about John Hume today. Stay with me, everybody. We're flying high. Welcome to Travel with Stephanie Abrams. This hour, I'm sharing with you an interview with a great Irishman to celebrate wrapping up this St. Patrick's celebration. I'm so glad to have you participating today as a listener and spectator to this weekend's tribute to the amazing giant of a man, John Hume, the 1998 Nobel Peace Prize winner who was awarded the prize as a co-winner with David Trimble, who represented the opposing party in Northern Ireland. But, you know, I've talked to so many people over the years, including John Hume who was the humblest man on the face of the earth and passed away a couple of weeks ago at the age of 83. And um, I had the privilege and honor of meeting and spending serious quality time on two occasions in Derry, Northern Ireland with John. And while he was witty and bright and focused and an incredible activist on behalf of the Catholic community in Northern Ireland that suffered such hardships and oppression. And um, very similar to the civil rights movement in the U.S. Um, was what John was leading in Northern Ireland and working with key leaders in the U.S., being inspired by key leaders in the U.S., including Martin Luther King, who was a great inspiration to him. But he's now gone, and I, and I don't know that people outside of the Irish-American community, people with no roots in Ireland, people who aren't reading newspapers like the Irish Echo or keeping up online with newspapers in Ireland, like the Belfast Telegraph, the Irish Times, the Irish Independent. I, I don't know that there was enough coverage of why it's important to know who John Hume was and what he did and why his legacy 
must live on. And the link to travel is, if I weren't a traveler, I never would have met him. I was very lucky to have selected Beach Hill Country House as a place that, after we stayed the first time, was the place I wanted to stay every time we were in Derry in Northern Ireland. And Patsy O'Kane, who we had on in the last hour, uh, owned that hotel for many years, and she was a great friend of Pat and John Hume. And it was because of Patsy that I got to meet John Hume. I didn't know who he was. But she said, oh, you must know this man. You must meet this man. She set up uh, a one-hour cocktail hour for us to have a drink together, talk a bit, and do a recorded interview for radio. That first meeting lasted seven and a half hours. We parted from one another at half past midnight. And not only did we have a cocktail and some hors d'oeuvres at 5, we had dinner at 8.30. <laughs> and um, about 6 or 8 or 10 months or a year later, somewhere in there, we were back in Derry. And we made another appointment to meet with John. And that one was about 6 or 7 hours as well. And so one more time, I had him on the air by telephone. And that was when Hillary was running for president and they were, there were some remarks about what Hillary had done to help the peace process in Northern Ireland. And those on the bashing side of all things democratic on radio and TV in America were questioning, what did Hillary do in Northern Ireland? What did she have to do with it? And so I already knew from John Hume and called John because I felt it had more credibility coming from his mouth than mine, had him on the air while I was in my studio, and he was in Derry by telephone, and he explained how while Bill Clinton was working with the political machine in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, Hillary was running seminars and workshops, meeting with groups of women, women only, meeting with groups. Well, there may have been some men there, but the focus was on how to empower women to understand that politics is not just a male sport. And it is because of that there are so many women in Northern Ireland today who are political leaders. And you can point to Hillary for that. So, you know, I knew the story. And if there's one thing I'm into is let's let's lay out the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And in thinking about, you know, today we've had on Eamon O'Queeve, the grandson of Eamon de Valera, one of the presidents early on about 100 years ago in Ireland who worked with Michael Collins to bring about the Republic of Ireland. They were great friends until they weren't anymore. And then regrettably, uh, uh, they died as um, in opposition. But if you go to Glasnevin Cemetery in Dublin, which is like Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, everybody important is buried there um, in every walk of life from in their death. They are there, the authors, the musicians, the politicians, um, you name it, they're there. And nearly beside one another, 
Michael Collins and Eamon De Valera are, are buried. So uh, if, if they're, they're together for eternity. But in addition to having Patsy O'Kane in the last hour and Jimmy Deanahan, who for over 30 years was a minister of Irish government until uh, about two years ago, and I'm hoping he comes back. As a matter of fact, if I had my wishes, uh, he'll come back as the Minister of Tourism for Ireland because what that man has done for County Kerry and for Ireland in general, but County Kerry specifically, uh, encouraging tourism to that region is remarkable, and he gets it. He gets it. He understands it. The more I know him, the more I admire, respect, and adore him. So, And he had a great deal to share about John Hume in the last hour as well. But I wanted to have... An, an, an American point of view that is also an Irish point of view from my Brooklyn-born friend who, speaking with him, you'd never guess he was born in Brooklyn because he was swept away to Limerick, Ireland in his early youth with his brothers. And you may know him well from the nine books he's written, from the films and TV shows he's been in. He's an actor, he's an author, he's a wit, he's a historian all in his own right. Um, he even has a radio show in New York City. Um, but he um, too often gets second billing when people say things like, I read your brother's book. And you may know him, the little giggle in the background, as Malachi McCourt, whose brother has now passed a good few years now, uh, Frank McCourt, who wrote the memoir, Angela's Ashes, that was made into a film and two other memoirs. So um, we're going to talk with Malachi McCourt about the strife in Ireland, about um, the peace in Ireland, and all other things wherever the road may take us, because once you start talking with Malachi, you just don't know where it's going to lead. So uh, tighten your seatbelt as we take off right after this. Guests of Stephanie Abrams' travel shows when here in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts stay at the delightful and trendy boutique Hotel on North. Visit their website at hotelonnorth.com. We spent five and a half weeks in Northern Ireland. Uh, no, that's wrong. We spent five and a half weeks in the Republic of Ireland arriving February 28th this year, getting caught up in the lockdown and the closure of the airlines and the hotels uh, after being there three weeks. And just a couple of days before we were supposed to fly home on the 18th of March, everything shut down. And I have to tell you people, if you're going to get abandoned somewhere, let it be on the island that is Ireland. It was, I have to tell you, the five happiest months of my life we rented a house in Northern Ireland in County Antrim, and we were there four months, and then another two and a half weeks in Listowel in County Kerry with the help of my good friend Jimmy Deanahan, who helped us sort out a house there for a couple of weeks. We spent the last three nights at the Fitzgerald's Woodland House Hotel in County Limerick in Adair, and it's just outside of the village of Adair, which is like a storybook kind of a town with um, even the shops look like uh, old Irish thatched cottages, the place adorable. Very different in feel from the city of Limerick, 
which is quite the metropolis uh, in County Limerick and is probably maybe, I don't know, what, 20 minutes away, <laughs> half an hour, something like that, where my good friend on the line, Maliki McCourt, was swept off to um, after being born in, Bro in Brooklyn um, as his father made the decision that they'd be better off in Limerick. Um, if you've seen the film Angela's Ashes or read the book, you've got the insights into how less than a good idea that probably was. But um, it's so good to have you on the line, my very good friend. How are you managing? Well, uh, uh, any day, uh, Stephen, thank you very much again. Glad to talk to you, and it's fascinating to hear of your your uh, unplanned sojourn in both the north and the south of Ireland. And uh, that island, uh, which uh, you can cover, uh, it's 135 miles wide and about 350 miles uh, from top to bottom. So yeah, you it's about one-tenth <laughs> the size of Texas, twice the size of Rhode Island. So. That tiny little place is such a, has such a profound effect on, uh, on, on, uh, on, our, on our world, really. There were, uh, as somebody said about Irish and Jewish, we're not ethnic groups, we're uh, psychosis of <laughs> sorts. <laughs> well, and you know... Maliki McCord. This is Maliki McLaughlin Leprechaun here. I'll be right back. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Got your bags packed yet? Here's travel with Stephanie Abrams and her traveling companion, David Isby. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. Where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. 
Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. Here's a unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Do a Meet the Author chat online with Stephanie Abrams after reading Rumors, her critically acclaimed novel. Just purchase a minimum of five copies of Rumors in print or ten in ebook format from any online bookseller. Email Stephanie three convenient dates and times in 2021 when you and your gift list recipients of Rumors are available to chat. Perfect for your next book club discussion, too. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com with the dates and times, and Stephanie will confirm this special event. Ask questions, share feedback, and be a part of a memorable experience for every gift-giving occasion filled with conspiracies, lies, love, lust, and intrigue. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com. Visit sabrams.net for details. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect and unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Buckle your seatbelt and tune in to Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast-to-coast -coast weekly on Sundays in the 5 p.m. Eastern time slot. For a list of cities and stations where Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams will air, visit biztv.com. If you're traveling, check local listings in cities including New York, Boston, Miami, Atlanta, Tampa, Orlando, Houston, Dallas, Las Vegas, Nashville, Los Angeles, and more. It's Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams. It's Travel with Stephanie Abrams. I've invited my good friend Maliki McCourt. Any of you remember the show Ryan's Hope? It used to air before All My Children on ABC. Maliki was the bartender. Uh, he's written nine books. He's quite the raconteur. Um, he is a very humble man who is hilarious. Um, if you need a good laugh... You need to read one of his books, or if you're lucky enough that you have his phone numbers as I do, you place a call, and no matter what the circumstances, you're gonna he he leaves you laughing, and but today it's really no laughing matter, the um, serious, wonderful contribution that John Hume, a dairy man, from. Derry, Northern Ireland, who won the Nobel Peace Prize for his truly forging the Good Friday Agreement, bringing resolution to the troubles in Northern Ireland. Not that there aren't little flare-ups now and again, but 
today Northern Ireland and the relationship with the Republic of Ireland is a whole different story from what it was in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. And um, Maliki, I wonder if we could just start before we then get into a bit more about you and your own history and your life to talk about um, your impressions of John Hume. Yeah, well, I I think that's uh, and and you're quite uh, you're quite right uh, about uh, him, Stephanie. That uh, the 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 uniqueness of the man was he's uh, uh, unlike a lot of uh, of people who uh, sell out uh, on either for position for power for. Uh, money or something like that, but John Hume uh, never deviated from the one thing, the the one mission, the one principle, the one guiding passion in his life was, regardless of your belief, whether you were, as in Ireland, there was that that severe uh, uh, division of Protestants and Catholics. And 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 Brendan Behan once said to a North of Ireland Protestant woman, you know, you you're up here on the North of Ireland, and you and not know that when you are walking around the North of Ireland, I mean, here you can tell the difference between an African American person and a Caucasian, but over there the division is between Protestant and Catholics. That's correct. So, but how the hell can you distinguish a Protestant from a Catholic in the north of Ireland? So, Brendan Behan was talking to a woman in, in the north of Ireland, and he, he he posed that question to her. He said, how would I know a Protestant from a Catholic up here? And she said, the Protestant woman said to the Catholic Behan, she said, you can always tell the Catholics by their wee button noses. That's what she said. <laughs> Catholics had small noses. Well, I, to I told that uh, yarn on, uh, on the radio, well, you should have seen the avalanche that I got that people were uh, referring, thought that, that I was talking about the Jews and big noses, and I had no... Uh, idea that that was a that that was another uh, pejorative description of people and that, but anyway, the, all of it, uh, all the Catholics that, that were accused of all the things that the blacks were accused of here. Uh, here was black people to hear the the people say, well, they're lazy, they're crime ridden, they drink too much and all they want is welfare. You know, the, all the cliches about poor people, that's the ones they laid on Catholics in the north of Ireland. But and it was Maliki, an astonishing thing. Maliki. So John Hume grew up in Derry, and, but he never deviated from that. He didn't care whether you were Protestant, Catholic, an atheist, or whether you suffer from rheumatism or anything. It was that his objective and passion was peace. You know, um, we're, um, you made a remark about, um, um, you know, the, the stereotypes of the Catholic in Northern Ireland. Yes. Um, and um, it, it just strikes me. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't leave me. Mm-hmm. 
Portions of today's show brought to you by Curacao, offering vacationers cultural experiences wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture. A UNESCO World Heritage City on a southern Caribbean island with coves, beaches, and over 60 dive and snorkeling sites. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com. Here's a unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Do a Meet the Author chat online with Stephanie Abrams after reading Rumors, her critically acclaimed novel. Just purchase a minimum of five copies of Rumors in print or ten in ebook format from any online bookseller. Email Stephanie three convenient dates and times in 2021 when you and your giftless recipients of Rumors are available to chat. Perfect for your next book club discussion, too. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com with the dates and times, and Stephanie will confirm this special event. Ask questions, share feedback, and be a part of a memorable experience for every gift-giving occasion filled with conspiracies, lies, love, lust, and intrigue. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com. Visit sabrams.net for details. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect and unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Got your bags packed yet? Here's travel with Stephanie Abrams and her traveling companion, David Isby. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll-free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. 
In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Rumors. Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Coast to coast with the most travel professionals and the best business and leisure travel information. Travel with Stephanie Abrams and on-air traveling companion David. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. When we were in Ireland from... February 28th, we, we flew on the 27th, and you lose a night in the air, and you land this morning. But from February 27th this year until July 20th, we were in Ireland. Uh, five happiest months of my life, by the way. Um, and while we commiserated with, with all who were suffering in so many ways, particularly those who either were or had family members who were ill, um, I guess I'd have a different point of view had we gotten sick. But being able to be in the most amazing geographic setting of natural beauty, fabulous neighbors who called all the time, left care packages at the front door, sacks of books and magazines, bakery goods and fruits and vegetables. You just never knew what surprise you were going to find when the doorbell rang. And of course, we never opened the door for anybody and whatever they left would sit out there for hours before we'd go near it and then disinfect everything before it came into the house. So um, we've managed to um, now be home. And uh, if, if those of you who've been listening for months know, um, my husband, Mark, uh, is our remote producer, and he was, the control room was the dining room table at Corner Cottage in Ballygally, Cairn Castle, Northern Ireland, just outside of Larne, about four miles north of Larne, if you look at the map, which is about a half hour north of Belfast. And um, I was in the kitchen, and that was, you know, my studio. Now we're home. And um, the way it works best for sound and everything else, my husband is out in our morning room and I'm in the bedroom. <laughs> so this is the new normal. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be able to hear in the background, there are ski doos on our lake and people making noise with motorized this and that. So um, if it's there, you at least you know what it is. I have on the line my good friend Malachi McCord and my alter ego is Malachi McLaughlin Leprechaun. Uh, my Irish connection is that I was a leprechaun in a past life. Did you know that, Maliki? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was talking to one of them, and he said they knew you well. <laughs> yeah. Speaking yeah, of knowing uh, you well. But um, you, have never, you have never aged. That's the thing. That's the well, amazing no, thing about leprechauns. Never age. They always stay lively and humorous and uh, eloquent like yourself, as I, you are. You I, are didn't, I didn't know about the aging thing because when um, 
at very early on in my life. Do you remember Carol Channing? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I wish I had known her. I, I love that woman. Um, she was on um, an afternoon talk show 100 years ago called The Mike Douglas Show. Or maybe it was Phil Donahue. It was one of those people with an afternoon TV show ages, decades ago. And she was talking about how she was raised uh, in the Christian science faith. And oh, yeah. they don't celebrate birthdays. And as a child, she would go to other people's birthday parties and be jealous that everybody was excited that they were born and they got presents and they ate cake and ice cream and they played games and her birthday would come and everybody would ignore it. And it wasn't until she was an adult that she understood the value of not labeling people with an age. And her yeah. point on that show was when you label someone with an age, you make them too young to do some things and too old to do other things when in fact, at whatever age they are, they might be quite capable of whatever the task is. And I thought that was really brilliant. And it was in that moment yeah. that I chose 19 because I don't smoke and I don't gamble and I don't drink. And so I didn't need to be 21. Um, but, you know, 18, you could drive in New York City. So 19 worked for me. And I decided I'm just going to be 19 forever. So um, I keep learning. Uh, I keep growing. I just stopped aging decades ago. As a matter of fact, when my children were tiny, tiny people, I taught them to say, if anyone ever asks how old mommy is, you say 19. And I can remember my children at age two and a half, three, three and a half, actually being asked that question because I would never answer. And as Oscar Wilde, the great Irish wit and author would and playwright would say, a woman who will tell you her age will tell you anything. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, at, at what age were you? when you were whisked out of Brooklyn and taken to Limerick? Uh, what happened was uh, my, I had uh, my mother and father met here. They got married and they had Frank in 1930. Then I was born in 1931. I will be 89 next uh, month, uh, September 20th. And then twins were born, Eugene and Oliver, and then Margaret Mary was born. And that was, you know, the one little female in this uh, house that was rampant with males all over the bloody place, uh, both uh, big and small. And then Margaret Mary uh, died in, uh, in the middle of the night. And, uh, and, and that, that was Frank, my son. So anyway, my mother had a breakdown uh, and uh, totally she just went she was between um, uh, a post uh, post what do you call it after the birth uh, postpartum and between that and the grief uh, she went she descended into a deep deep depression which didn't allow her to do anything except stare into space and then suddenly weep and uh, smoking so my father decided that she was not going to recover so that was how we uh, we got some friends and relatives uh, give us the money and we got on a ship 
and uh, off we went to Ireland. We went to the north of Ireland, where you just were. Uh, we were in Antrim. Where and, in County uh, Antrim? Because that's exactly where we were in County. Well, yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know you were talking about Where that. were My you? My father was from Toombridge, County Antrim. Oh, wow. Yeah, not too far from Ballymena, where his, his sister lived there uh, with her family and her husband. And there was a, Liam Neeson was her next door neighbor because yeah, he his still mother has... and my grandmother and my um, were, were great friends. He still has and a house. So... Uh, he still has a house there, or it's a family inherited house or something. And by the way, people, um, if you're planning to go that way in that direction, uh, down the road from the um, house we were in, literally barely a mile is um, the A2, the Antrim Coastal Road. And on the corner of the A2, the Irish, if you're going north, the Irish Sea is on your right. And on your left, you will see the Ballygally Castle Hotel. And one wall is the original fortress wall from the early 1600s. And one portion of the hotel is part of the Norman Tower that was part of that castle. Well, that road there on your left is Cairn Castle Road. And if you make a left turn for barely a mile, you come to a T-junction and that where the road just stops, you know, in front of you. Yeah. And at that corner, you're at the corner of Drumnagreg Road and Cairn Castle, and that's where we were staying at Corner Cottage. And the road goes gently uphill for a mile. You don't even feel like you're climbing a hill because it stretches out. The incline stretches over a mile. But when you get to the corner of the house at Cairn Castle and Drumnagreg Road and you look back from whence you've come, you that you you don't see houses or fields you just see the irish sea so it's it's just gorgeous and if you continue up the road you're going to see a sign that says make a left here it'll take you to ballymena in ballymena there's a wonderful place to stay called garen galgorm g a l g o r m galgorm uh, resort and spa place is fabulous. Go look it up. Go to sabrams.com. Put in either Ballymena, M-E-N-A at the end, or put in Galgorm, G-A-L-G-O-R-M, and you'll get interviews and photos and you know, archived audio and all that jazz that you'll enjoy. So I always assumed you lived in Limerick because... Um, oh, we did. We did. We, uh, so when we went to in... Ireland, uh, first we went and stayed with my uh, father's people, uh, in Toombridge, County Antrim. That's where my grandfather, grandmother were, were living. And uh, But we weren't because, well, they had a fairly good-sized house, but, but for six people to descend on them yeah. in 1935, when, you know, things were rough all over the world. There was a worldwide depression, as, uh, as we know. And Ireland and, uh, wasn't the so country they were, it is we were today. not too, uh, they, they, they were a bit, unwelcoming so we we left there and we went uh, south uh, my mother's people were from limerick and uh, so my father from, from the north and so we were not too welcome there either my mother's people there was nobody was welcoming anybody in those in those days so we went from uh, flea bitten rat ridden mouse ridden rotten slums year after year after year and uh, 
utter miserable time in, in those days. And, you know, people are always talking about, oh, wasn't Ireland lovely and so on Well, and so it wasn't forth. then. And I have to nod and, uh, and just say, mm-hmm, and, and don't get me going on, uh, on our lives there because uh, two, three years after we arrived in Ireland, uh, Eugene and Oliver died, two years the after twins. Oliver died. And then six months after he died, my uh, the other lad died. So we had three, three deaths of children within a period of uh, of four years, and that was. Uh, and then two more were born, Mike and Alfie. So that so we grew to adulthood, uh, but they're all dead now, and I am the last. Uh, surviving McCourt of that crowd above above ground but you know when so you... that was uh, it was it was it was very uh, it was very rough and uh, and as you know my mother said well yes indeed but you you see you can't eat scenery is what she said yes but you so. know Maliki you know when you're talking about Ireland Ireland today is a whole different place oh it's a different place but altogether in, in the now. 1960s um, areas like Galway and Clare um, on the west coast of Ireland didn't have electricity yet. And there were still people living in in um, uh, small c- cottages that had, had, you know, no indoor plumbing and, you know, no running water inside. And that was the 1960s. So, you know, it was this, this great, wonderful miracle that happened in Ireland economically. Yeah, that, the, the Celtic... Uh, the Celtic Tiger, yes. That, that, yeah, was it. Well, you know, uh, Stephanie, one of the things that uh, we are in, the, in these days of... Uh, uh, well, oh, that fantastic uh, uh, mantle of prosperity that descended on Ireland in those in the last in this uh, last uh, few uh, decades of of, of the century, and they, but people forget that they have to forget that Ireland was occupied for uh, nine hundred years. years by by Britain. Right. And it was it was Britain's garden. You know, for example, there was that uh, horrendous. It wasn't the famine. They called it the Great Hunger, eighteen forty-five up to eighteen fifty, when the crops failed. The only crop that failed was the potato, which the Irish were like, you know, the Chinese with rice. It that was the main uh, dish that, that that kept people going in those times. For all the rest, there was no shortage of food, but it was being escorted out of Ireland in those days by the British military because Ireland was Britain's garden. And so, uh, and then the landlords were merciless. Uh, if you couldn't pay the rent, they boom. So they lost about, I think, uh, of a population, they lost two million to death. And about two more, two and a half or more million, that's when the big um, migration to America started. So, uh, and then when the Brits did finally leave in uh, 1922, but they decided to hold, this is where we get on to uh, our friend uh, John Hume, and the occupation of Ireland did not cease. Maliki, we have to take a quick commercial break.
Here's a unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. Do a Meet the Author chat online with Stephanie Abrams after reading Rumors, her critically acclaimed novel. Just purchase a minimum of five copies of Rumors in print or ten in ebook format from any online bookseller. Email Stephanie three convenient dates and times in 2021 when you and your gift list recipients of Rumors are available to chat. Perfect for your next book club discussion, too. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com with the dates and times, and Stephanie will confirm this special event. Ask questions, share feedback, and be a part of a memorable experience for every gift-giving occasion filled with conspiracies, lies, love, lust, and intrigue. Contact Rumors Meetup at AOL.com. Visit sabrams.net for details. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect and unique gift for everyone on your shopping list. The magic is happening at Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass. One of New England's most popular attractions, the village is a unique entertaining world of fun, fantasy, food, and fragrance for the whole family. It's also the world's largest candle shop, where kids and grown-ups can make their own candles. The village is home to the enchanting Black Forest, where it snows year-round. Santa's Workshop, where he welcomes visitors every day of the year. And the Bavarian Christmas Village, filled with sparkling holiday ornaments. In addition to over 400,000 candles, you'll find toys, gifts, and more from great names like Pandora and Vera Bradley. And with tasty treats from Yankee Candy, Fresh Fudge, and Popcornopolis, every day is a holiday. Or sit down with the family for a wonderful meal at the award-winning Chandler's Restaurant. Yankee Candle Village in South Deerfield, Mass., where families come for the candles and stay for the fun. Take the Mass Pike to I-91, exit 24. Movie show travel itineraries with dots on maps. I want to do better than that and take you traveling by TV. Hi, this is Stephanie Abrams. Join me on Sundays on my show, Travel TV with Stephanie Abrams, airing coast to coast when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Plan to sit right beside me. We'll explore travel for fun, business, reunions, weddings, honeymoons, families, and sports adventures, reaching homes in Boston, New York City, Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, Nashville, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, and more cities across America. Our affiliate TV stations are listed at biztv.com. Let's take off traveling together when it's 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. Got your bags packed yet? Here's travel with Stephanie Abrams and her traveling companion, David Isby. Ah, Curacao, the island that offers vacationers 55 different cultures wrapped in history and charming traditional European architecture like those you'd find in the Netherlands, but dressed in Southern Caribbean sherbet colors. Curacao's capital city, Willemstead, is a UNESCO World Heritage City waiting for you to explore its many attractions. And when you've whipped up an appetite and thirst after sightseeing and visiting your choice of over 60 dive and snorkeling sites complete with intimate coves and beaches, you'll find a wide variety of sidewalk cafes, gourmet restaurants, local eateries, and markets to satisfy every palate. Slide into Curacao's live and let live way of life. Curacao, feel it for yourself. Visit curacao.com or call toll free 800-328-7222. That's 800-328-7222.
rumors, Stephanie Abrams' novel of secrets, lies, and conspiracies that ensnare the lives of ordinary people in a tightening web that all starts with rumors. Available at Amazon.com in print and Kindle formats and BarnesandNoble.com. Rumors by Stephanie Abrams, the perfect leisure time companion. Coast to coast with the most travel professionals and the best business and leisure travel information. Travel with Stephanie Abrams and on-air traveling companion David. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. You know, um, we were talking earlier about uh, Brendan Behan's question, how can you tell a Protestant from a Catholic in Ireland? Well, if you happen to visit Derry even today, and I've yet to get a proper answer to the question of, is this a way of putting... um, colored fences around neighborhoods or is it really still left as a tourism um, atavistic um, you know just a leftover piece of history uh, for, for tourists to have a look at but when you're in Derry and you go into residential neighborhoods in Northern Ireland you will find that either the poles that hold up their mailboxes at the curb or the curbstone in front of their driveways and houses will be painted with three stripes. If the stripes are red, white, and blue, it's a Protestant neighborhood because the British flag is red, white, and blue, which is the reason, by the way, the American flag is red, white, and blue. Um, If um, it's orange and white and green, it's the tricolors of the Irish flag, then that's a Catholic neighborhood. And it's the weirdest thing for an American to drive around and see, oh, we're in a Catholic neighborhood. Oh, we're in a Protestant neighborhood. Um, But that's just how it was. Um, And you'll still see it there today. The murals in Derry have all been repainted. Um, That's something worth going to see because the murals in Derry depict um, the troubles that John Hume played an instrumental role in bringing to an end. Um, we've got a few minutes. I wonder if you I mean, can... He's there. He's there. He's there. I wanted to say this to her again about, you know, yes. the, way, the way John Hume stuck to the principles of, of peace and he got the, the prize, the Nobel Prize for, for, for that, Nobel Peace Prize. It was that he steered uh, Jerry Adams away from anything. All, he got him right out of the whole thing about gaining independence by violence. He said we have to do it with love and with, uh, uh, and so we 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 we. Um, so he he was able to God damn this damn phone. Sorry, yeah. That's all right. So so we uh, he 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 managed to to do that, and and of course another another great person that we have lost this uh, week was Pete Hamill, who was also from the north of Ireland, and he saw the. Uh, was a Belfast man. My oh. father was a Bel- died in Belfast. So we have, and uh, and John Humes was dairy. But the, the 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 amount of people that that were that were they were in a sense for peace. But the Bible, you know, the biblical thing is, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. But uh, the, it, it being a peacemaker in the north of Ireland was extremely dangerous. Because they they figured some people the violent people were 
uh, on uh, they they just would would assassinate peacemakers, you know, and it was horrendous that uh, the hatred that went on between two Christian. Uh, communities was astonishing. Well, but I, the thing I, was, you know, and that's the part that often I think um, Americans miss. I'm luckier in that I have been immersed enough in conversations and in learnings of various kinds firsthand on site in places, in museums, in cathedrals, in uh, libraries in Ireland and Northern Ireland. And the the thing is that was clear is that it wasn't a question of I don't like the way you worship Jesus. It was a question of the Protestants saw themselves as a higher class of people, a better bred, better educated class of people. And they managed to put their heels on the heads of Catholics. You know, you said something earlier about... Um, uh, you know, uh, people working. You know, the, the people being lazy. That the Catholics in in Northern Ireland were were um, focused yeah, on as dr you know, drinkers and right. lazy people. Well, but they the fact of the matter there. is, yeah. the fact of the matter is, like so many companies in America, that when the wave of Irish came in, and the, by the way, people, the Irish were coming in the 1500s. It was an Irishman in the 1500s that founded Tucson, Arizona who was there with the Spanish conquistadors. But um, the 1600s, the 1700s, it wasn't just the 1800s and the starvation that went on in Ireland that drove the Irish here. But there were many a factory and shop that had a sign that said, no Irish need apply. But it was the same thing in Ireland because they wouldn't hire the men. And it's the same thing that was done to African-American men, which is the reason that so many families of African-American descent have been matriarchal. Stay with me, everybody. We're flying high.